There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Hello, little woman fans. Today's comment shout-out goes to the lovely lady who left this comment to me on Instagram. Quote, The whole Larry Joe ship is anti-feminist, and it's like the only way some folks can even comprehend her not being with Lori is to imagine Joe as asexual or as a lesbian, which is exactly the kind of assumptions misogynists make when women don't date them. So it's disturbing that's what so-called feminist women will go. This comment did remind me of the times I have been called ace or lesbian by guys who I have refused to date. Pretty much ever since I started making this podcast, I had people asking me, Hey Nina, what do you think about LGBTQ teams in Little Woman? Do you think Louisa May Alcott was queer or was she trans? Ever since I found out about demisexuality, I thought that Joe in Little Woman was a demisexual. And I think it is very possible that Louisa May Alcott was a demisexual as well. And I came across something that really hinges on that. Christina and I will explain in this episode more in depth what demisexuality means. Demisexuality is on the asexual spectrum. And it simply refers to a person who wants to have a physical relationship with others only when they have a deep emotional connection with them. This also requires some understanding of the Victorian society. In the 19th century, marriage was connected to property, but people in the early feminist movement, women like Louisa May Alcott, they saw marriage linked to romantic love, and since Louisa was a Christian, she also believed to the Christian idea of marriage, where you create an unbreakable bond with the other person, and it doesn't only last one lifetime, but several lifetimes. This is why I didn't like Greta Gerwig's film, because according to her interviews, she wanted to make a point that money was way more important for the Alcott sisters than love, which is completely opposite to the way the Alcott sisters in reality saw things, and both Louisa and May experienced loneliness because it was difficult for them to find a husband who would support their desire to have both love and career. This is a quote from Danny O'Shea's essay, Wedding Marches. Daniel Scott Smith reports that 93% of American women married during the mid-19th century. For women in 1868, the year that Little Woman was published, opportunities to earn living wages or attain financial support were certainly limited, and after the carnage of the Civil War, eligible females outnumbered prospective husbands. This is the quote, that really made me think that Louisa might have been a demisexual. The fact that a youth and maiden love one another is not sufficient reason for them to marry unless they are fitted to be and to do all that the sacred relation requires. Principle, not passion, should preside over the affair. Temperaments should harmonize. Taste and aims be not too different. End quote. Louisa met Ladislas Ladivisniewski in Switzerland in 1865, two years before she wrote Little Woman, and he was 
over 10 years younger than Louisa, and they seemed to have a short affair or a fling. And later on, Louisa told in public that he was a model for Laurie, and they kept in touch. But in private letters with her sister, Louisa doesn't have such great views about him. That quote is from an article that Louisa wrote called Early Marriages, where she condemns women who marry too young and for the wrong reasons. She's basically saying that you should not marry somebody just because they are handsome. You need to have a lot more in common because marriage is a commitment and that temperaments need to be well matched. When I was younger, I used to think that Louisa was trans, but I don't think that anymore. I think it is a lot more complicated than that. Louisa worked as a nurse in the Civil War, and she got very sick when she returned. I think it was typhoid fever, if I remember correctly. She nearly died, and that's when she actually cut her hair. So it was a bit different than with Jo when she cut her hair in the book. Louisa was treated with mercury, and that was considered a viable medicine back then, and it slowly poisoned her. I did some research on this earlier this year that mercury can increase the testosterone production of the body. So her body was changing and then there was all these changes, hormonal balance, but she didn't have any control over it. She believed that mercury was going to treat her, not poison her. And then she writes about the, quote, constant pain in her body. Emma said in one of the earlier episodes that Louisa was a bit similar to Frida Kahlo who also liked to explore both feminine and masculine aspects of herself. And Frida Kahlo as well couldn't have a full control over her body, because at 18 she broke her spine in an accident. It is interesting because they were both such great artists, and in their most famous works they reflect a lot of their own relationships with their bodies. Frida painted self-portraits of her broken spine, and in Little Woman Joe has discomforts, with her looks. This episode is sponsored by Skillshare and they offer a variety of creative courses. I myself have taken many art-related Skillshare classes and can recommend them. You can get one free month on Skillshare. You can find the link on the description. This is Small Umbrella in the Rain, Little Woman Podcast, Joe March and Demisexuality. this fan fiction series of the modern day mm-hmm. little woman i enjoy and you other people and you write about trans being demisexuals mm-hmm. would you like to share the listeners what a demisexual is i identify myself somewhere in the demisexual area and i always need to explain it to people the best way i find someone describe it asexual is when you have no sexual desire at all and if you're allosexual, it means you're, you can have it just at a drop of a hat pretty much. Like, But the best way I saw someone describe it is for someone who is demisexual is I'm asexual until I'm not. And the moment when you're not is when you develop a romantic attraction towards someone. And, and I understand some people who have that sort of wish fulfillment of wanting certain characters to be LGBT. Like I've seen a lot of people say, We'll say that Joe is trans, but, you know, and whatnot. But it's surprising when people say, like, you know, I think Joe is arrow ace, meaning aromantic and asexual. And I'm like, I feel like Joe is more of the 
demi-romantic, which is you don't develop a romantic attraction until you really get to know them or having a romantic interest in someone until you truly get to know someone, which is like, you know, for some people, it'd be like, you just met this person, talked to them for five minutes, want to go on a date, and they're like, all right, fine. A demi-romantic needs time of development in order for you to, for them to be kind of like, you know what, I think I might want to date you. But I think I see her as a demi-romantic and a demisexual, and Friedrich as a demisexual, because these two, and it's mentioned in the Under the Umbrella scene where he says, first love is the best, and she agrees, meaning that the both of them have been each other's first loves. So I definitely catch some of those sort of vibes in that sense of like, the fact that they haven't really seemed to have found much of an interest in other people in accepting each other. And I feel like as personally a demisexual, like for the longest time, I was like, now it like, I didn't know why I was like, didn't have that same interest as like the other kids when they were developing and all that. And I'm like, oh, now it makes sense. Like why I don't, I almost feel like Joe has that, like she can't find herself having that with Lori. One of these days, I think I will revamp that series, but I sort of have like this moment where in the modern day sense, she tells Lori, like, if it hasn't happened by now, it's never going to happen. And if all these years I have been with you and have not felt even remotely romantic attraction for you, it's just not going to happen. The fact that, you know, she doesn't even think about that with Lori and blushes at the idea of it with Friedrich, I think is very telling. So I, th- I think it's a shame that people sort of miss on that. And, and in some ways, I feel like incorrectly, like, you know, well, she's a lesbian because she doesn't want to get married. And it's like, that's not the reason why she doesn't want to get married to anyone. It's not because she's a lesbian. It's because other things that she, you know, has to relearn over time. And she definitely, as we sort of joke, she definitely wants Friedrich's babies. Like she wants, like you said, she wants a family of her own. And at one point it was after Joe gets Plumfield, like she's already fantasizing of not only a school for kids to come in, but she's already fantasizing a family with Friedrich and how that's going to be. So like this girl wants his babies and gets all flustered and is like, do I look all right? Like, oh my goodness, like, you know, we kissed and all that kind of stuff. I feel like that most people just don't, it's because I think they see movie versions of it and they sort of see it in this way. Like, you know, I guess if it's not Lori, then let her be a lesbian or let her be Arrow Ace. But it's like, she can still, we can still have an LGBT character in Joe but still let it be with Friedrich. There's not a wrong answer here. You, she can, we can have both. And, and I feel like there's contextually evidence of that, as I kind of had mentioned earlier, just comparing how Joe is with Friedrich versus Joe with Lori. If, that, if I ever could get a chance to like make my own version, I would make that be pretty clear. Like In my vision, my modern day verse would be very clear. Like, no, Joe is and Friedrich are demis, and they are totally for each other. So yeah, that's sort of my personal headcanon, which I've seen quite a few people sort of hop on board with that, with that idea, which I'm quite pleased with, because I think, one, I think not only is it true to the character, I think people don't recognize or fully, like, remember, like, demisexual is a thing. I think it's just like people kind of think, 
you either want to or not. And it's like, well, here's the middle ground, the gray area, gray sexual. And that doesn't make them any less valid or invalid. Like It's still a very valid thing to be a demi whether it's demi-romantic or demi-sexual. So it, it makes me happy to see that there's sort of this rise in people seeing like, yeah, you know, that makes a lot more sense. And I'm like, good, we're on the same page. Well, I've done research on the Victorian idea of love, what love meant for people in the 19th century. I actually think demisexuality in modern standards would be closest to that mm-hmm. because there is this pop culture idea of love where you have sort of separated sex from law. And then the transcendentalists, the Victorian people, they saw love as almost like a spiritual experience. You could not separate love from sex. So there were people who did that back then. But um, a romantic love, which leads on to marriage, you would not separate the two. So I think demisexuality, sometimes it's seen almost as a, a movement against this sort of sexualization of media or the way we are surrounded by sexual images, these stories where sex and love is removed from one another. When you fall in love with somebody, you get into a higher spiritual s- sphere. Mm-hmm. So I think demisexuality is connected to that type of idea that you are not against sex. You just want to be with somebody who you feel emotional connection with. That's the way I always read Joseph and Frederick's relationship. Like, it's not necessary for them to have this fully blown romantic relationship, but it just would be nice. If they chose not to, that's like, that's great. Like you said, it's more of what it is that connects them that way than it is what the sex is just kind of a nice bonus to a romantic relationship. Louisa May Alcott, she did have uh, older and younger male friends who she was attracted to. But then she also had quite a clear idea what kind of relationship she wanted for herself. It included that intellectual connection. A 2018 film, the modern version, actually did that pretty well. At least in that one, I got the sense that Joe and Fred were both demisexuals. And I think the actors had pretty good chemistry. We see them developing a relationship. Like, I always just kind of remember the scene in the theater when he takes her hand and she just kind of looks at him like, oh. Whether a date night or family holiday outing, Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights is the perfect way to experience the magic of the holidays. The half-mile walk through Vienna's enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens features lighted nature themes and sparkling displays. Get your tickets now at winterwalkoflights.com. Extend your holiday season and beat the rush with a weeknight visit in November or early December. Plan your visit and buy tickets at winterwalkoflights.com. That's winterwalkoflights.com. We made USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. Oh, what is this feeling? Like, oh, crap. Like, she's not like, you know, she's like, what is this? I feel feel something. (laughs) Yeah, I, I definitely get that feeling that it's probably the one version I feel like is the closest to that kind of sense. Like you said, that they're both demis and that they're more interested in what their, how their relationship develops than, you know, in any other way, emotionally. I really like that. That version 
when it comes to Cho and Freddy, Freddy Friedrich. Yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised by that version. Like, because sometimes modern day versions, it can be difficult in regards to how do they translate certain things that happened back then. Like, how do you, how do you still get that same sense of a debutante ball? Like, what would be the modern day equivalent? It's like, oh, well, be smart about it. It doesn't exactly have to be the same essence. You just need a big party. What's the big party? prom but they managed to do very well quite a lot of the things in the story in the sort of canon verse that uh joe cuts her hair to get money for her father and it's like well how do you still get that same feeling she cuts it to support beth who gets i think it's like leukemia in that version yeah so you still get that same sense of like oh she cut her hair for a noble cause but in this case, the noble cause is for Beth. So it still has that same feeling of what Joe does. I, I know that some people like kind of get upset. Like I saw someone get upset that it wasn't the rope, like the ice skating, but that it was a horse <laughs> wet that you need to almost like get herself, like get seriously harmed. And I'm like, well, well, first of all, I don't think that really was that bad of a change, like honestly. And and it makes sense because nowadays there isn't a lot of those sort of open lakes for people to go ice skating. There's more ice skating rinks available for the public. Whereas with like, if you're riding a horse, there is the danger of if you go a little too fast, the horse suddenly stops when you're supposed to jump over a thing and you fall off. Like, I think that's a very fair way of translating it. But I didn't know, I, w- I went into it with low expectations because I didn't want to get my hopes up. And I walked out being like, this is top three, I'll say, of favorite adaptations, honestly. Well, people can really tell how much demisexuals we are because it's so absurd to us when people are complaining about the actor's looks. Yeah. um, When I posted some of the clips of the 2018 film to my YouTube channel and people were just saying how gorgeous Ian Bowen is. I'm not saying he's not gorgeous, but... Can we talk about something else, like their relationship? Hopefully, maybe this helps people to understand what a demisexual is. Yeah, Ian Bowen, he's, he's very handsome, but yeah. there's so much <laughs> more in that movie. <laughs> Same sure. with Rosanna Brassi in the 1949 film. Like People just say, oh, he's gorgeous. Can we talk about his and George's relationship in this movie? That's why I posted these clips to the <laughs> Can we talk about the fact that he pretty much is like, I think you are an amazing writer and I support you. You go, girl. Like, yeah, behind that pretty face, there's a, uh, honestly, I say Friedrich is a feminist icon, honestly. Like, he is, mm. he would definitely be that guy that is just like, that's my wife, like, you know, <laughs> and be 100% proud. It took Lori to sort of, I think, time to, to get to that point, but like Friedrich right off the bat is like, women are awesome and I love them. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Like, you know, everyone was like, oh, you know, uh, Louis Guerra is, you know, probably the handsomest Friedrich. And I'm like, okay, fine, but uh, is he going to be a good Friedrich? And I think he was probably the highlight of that film. I think he himself is a good actor, but like, talk about whether or not, like, is the relationship between Joe and Friedrich actually good or not why does it matter or like when people say like oh why is that guy he looks way too old or he's not as attractive it's like see did you see that moment when like he just says i I have nothing to give but a full heart and empty hands like how like oh my god 
guys, when you see people talk about like, oh, I love those like angsty romance heroes who love someone, but they want them to be happy, like almost like a Colonel Brandon type. I'm like, <laughs> here's Friedrich right there. Like he he doesn't think that he is deserving of Joe, but he supports her. And when he gets to Concord and he feels like there, there's maybe hope, he's got a picture of Joe and he kisses it because he's like, I'm so happy to see you again. And I think there might be a chance like, oh, oh, you know, <laughs> there's so much. But no, people want to talk about is he attractive or not. And it's like, it's point funny. here, you go way over. <laughs> Somebody posted on Twitter that scene where in the 2017 series he comes and he has that poem with him. I'm like, this is my favorite scene in this whole series. And then there are people commenting, well, he's not attractive. I don't care. Uh, I've been thinking about this a lot, or the whole asexual conversation. I think coming from the fact that I guess people should know that in the Victorian times, sex was entirely censored. Because when I was reading um, uh, these studies, and we did it through to my uh, podcast, he actually censured words like bedroom and bathroom, and all the names of his love interest from his diaries. Sometimes you can see how he changed word devotion and worship to great admiration. And Louisa mm-hmm. Mayalko did the same. Some of the things might be lost when we don't pay attention the historical context and I think you can see that in, in Little Woman because uh, in the chapter All Alone there's this um, scene where the narrator says that don't pity the spinster because a lot of the because a lot of them hide attractive romances behind their humble gowns or something like that so mm-hmm. I'm thinking mm, she's uh, Talking about her uh, lovers, <laughs> or um, or this wish fulfillment that we have been discussing here. I read quite a few people saying that, oh, I'm I'm like Joe. I don't want to get married. I just want to stay at home, be with my my family. And I'm like, well, that's not the book, Joe, because she does not want to only stay at home. But she feels that she needs to take bed's place and mm-hmm. she needs to take care of her parents and be this like bird of the home and then she does that for a couple of days and she gets bored and she feels like this is not the life for me what i really want is to live my own life have a family and uh, find somebody and that's when she gets this letter from amy where she writes how happy she is with laurie and then she feels really lonely and envious their happiness. It makes me upset that people misread the book so well. In this case, they probably don't read the book. If we want to understand Little Woman better, we should not ignore these things that happen in the novel. And it's funny when you say, like, oh, I want to be just like Joe, where I don't get married and I stay home. I'm like, that sounds closer to who Beth is rather than Joe. Like, And yeah, it's, it's amazing how people sort of misinterpret and and I don't want to tell people exactly like I when people say things like I see Joe as being trans and wanting to be a boy and I'm like fine but like you're the reasoning you have behind it is that you think Joe acts like a boy because she truly wants to be a boy and that's not exactly how it goes in the story it's more of a wanting the freedom that a boy has and again as we mentioned earlier about you know 
sort of the internalized misogyny that she has about being a girl. I, I don't want to be that person that says you're wrong, but like, but on the other hand, like the reasoning you have behind it is not true to what the story actually portrays these characters to be. It, it can be a little tough. I think it's really sad because, you know, that whole chapter, All Alone, it's really miserable. <laughs> I don't know anyone who can read that chapter and think that Joe just wants to be at home. I can't really think of anyone who can read, you know, Amy's letter about Laurie and think that Joe envies Amy or Laurie. She envies that sister is happy and married, and then she herself is there at home trying to be something that she isn't. And then she has that discussion with mommy and she says that, well, you know, Joe, it's okay if you want these other things. There's this preface that uh, moment when Joe is looking at Meg with a baby. She says to her, do you think I could do a good job at being a mom? And Meg is like, oh, well, it would be great. You know, yeah. you, you would make a great mom. So yeah, I, I agree. I, I think some versions, like the, the Gerwig version, make it seem like she's more jealous of Amy, of being with jo- Lori, and I'm like, mm, not at all. Not at all. She's just more sad that there isn't a someone in her life, really. The same way that, what, whether it's Amy or Meg, she's in a way jealous of them both, not because of the men themselves, but because there is no one for her. It was the same with Louisa May Alcott. She writes in her journals how she envied Anna and May. They were happily married. She wasn't. She was very lonely. You can definitely see that in in Little Woman. And I always thought it was really interesting because when I read May Alcott's biography, it was mentioned that uh, all the three sisters, uh, May and Anna and Louisa, they had struggles fighting partners for themselves because they wanted to find somebody who would love them but also accept that they wanted to work or have a career. May wrote about her herself being lonely because she really struggled finding someone who could support her artist career. Then she fell in love with um, Ernest. He supported her career and was a good husband, what I can uh, tell. I think tells a lot about the 19th century world. These women feel lonely because they can't find somebody who supports their career and gives them unconditional love. I think that's something that most people don't realize about real women, is that mm-hmm. she wants to have a career, <laughs> and she also wants to combine that with family and uh, love. Yeah, and it, and it wasn't the norm then like you know they were sort of expected to once you're married you're married that's being married is your job and and this is I'm, I would going off of how I think with Alcott that translates to Joe which I sort of took into my own they want to be married they want to have someone but again between society telling them, you know, you can't, you have to abide by these rules in order to find someone or being told you you have to change in order to get this. Uh, it can be very depressing. As I made a post and and you, you did see it where I kind of went on to almost like a analysis of Joe and marriage. I, I think she, even as like a teenager, 
somewhere in the back of her head must have been like, I do want to get married because, I don't know, like, why not? I want to be with someone that has the same interests, but but she never felt like it was for her because people told her it was not for her. I kind of compare that to how I felt growing up. I am like four foot 11. I'm curvy. I, if you had to try to pick a name, I am plump. I've got a belly and I've got, you know, uh, breasts that are definitely bigger and hips and whatnot. And growing up, it was difficult to find clothes that were for me. That was perfectly suited for me that I like because it was either the pants are too long and I got to roll them up or that dress is cute, but it's meant for someone who is on the thinner side with a flat stomach and smaller breasts and it fits here. But when you get to the hips, it does not fit there. After a while, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to say, I don't care what I look like. And I put like this sort of explanation of, well, if anybody really would like me they're gonna like me with it whether or not I dress this way but it's like I felt like the fashion industry didn't care how to dress me they didn't care whether or not this would have fit me and I think in a way Joe had that, that sort of feeling that sense of well I guess if everyone's telling me that I'm too tall I'm too loud I am too this and that to be married just as I had deep down cared that I wanted to look good but being told pretty much your whole life that you're not suited for that kind of thing and if you don't fit the mold of what is this idea of marriage well then I guess you won't get married I think Alcott felt the same way and in her case she never did get married and tying into that sort of wish fulfillment writing that she gives that to Joe that she has this whole time feeling like, I guess I'm not suited for marriage because who's going to want to marry me? And then meets Friedrich, who is like, I love you for all that you are. And my idea of marriage is this way. Let me, I was, I guess, tailored to be your husband just because I feel the same way too. And I don't think people realize that when you, when we talk about Joe and marriage that Joe doesn't repel the idea of marriage because she doesn't want to be in love or she doesn't want children or even like the sense of independence. She thinks that marriage is, will tie you down because that's what the time period, as I kind of said earlier, being married is a job. It's a full-time job. That's all that she's going to do. And that's not what she wants. It takes her some time to sort of realize and through her relationship with Friedrich, that it's, you can be independent and married. You know, you can have both. It's not choose one or the other. And I think people sort of misinterpret that because they just think almost the same way as Joe starts in the beginning, that she thinks you can't have one without the other. And, and I think that's a shame because it's a very, and again, almost in a way a misogynistic sort of point of view because it ties in with that, you know, oh, you want to be that feminine woman who gets married and is a stay-at-home mom and whatnot. Like, like I feel like if, if Meg wanted, like, in the modern day, she would probably be more like a stay-at-home mom or something of that kind and probably would get judged for it. It doesn't mean that you're not independent. You can still 
you made the choice to want to be, you know, a stay at home mom or to be a wife. And that, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden you lose any sense of self. It just means you've started this whole new other journey that can lead to something more of who you are as a person and to get to spend it with someone that you love and trust enough to want to spend that journey hopefully to the end of your lives. And in the book, it's really Amy and Meg are the, are the conventionally good-looking ones, so they are expected to get married. Beth and Joe are not expected to get married because of the way they look. Beth was socially awkward. Joe had issues with her anger. Some men of the time probably considered her too independent with her wanting to become a writer. When uh, Joe reads the, the novel in the first part, the white white world it's so funny because when i read white white world oh this story is just like true breeding in little woman the leading character in white white world but she kind of has that similar situation she doesn't really consider herself very pretty or attractive and she feels that you know nobody's going to love me because of the way i am and then she finds this pretty clear archetype character and then they fall in love so it's Really interesting how that's integrated into the story of uh, Little Woman. But obviously it was a, somehow a significant story to Louisa May Alcott because if you believe that, you are not word of romance or love. And then you have these stories that you read, which uh, prove otherwise. Must have found some inspiration there. There's one story that uh, has the sort of Laurie archetype who starts with this Joe type of character and then moves on to this character who is more similar to Amy. This transition happens. He also grows as a man. So I can see very clear connections to this uh, literature that Louisa liked to read and also these real-life events that happened in her life and her relationships. I was going to say, and I, and I think it's interesting when you look at the bigger picture of, in general, how... Alcott deals with marriage because not all of them have the same kind of marriage. Like when, if you're going to look at how Meg and John's relationship develops, Lori and Amy's relationship develops and Joan Friedrich, they're not all the same. I think it takes a, a good writer to sort of make it be different enough because it's just very easy to just be like, well, this is what I would want a marriage to be. And I'll make them all be the same, but like you have different, types of people and how they respond and react to things and Meg and John kind of getting to that fight after the jam incident that sort of thing I would never imagine happening between Joe and Friedrich because their personalities are completely different between Meg and John's particularly in the beginning of the marriage and I think that it shows that not only what it is that I think Alcon in general was expecting and hoping a marriage would be but understood that the realities of marriage for some people may not always be easy for someone like Meg who has always kind of had these dreams of having a little bit of money would have these feelings of like why can't we do this and John who's trying to help her versus like Amy and Maury who where money is not an issue and it is whatever they could want they can get and Joe and Friedrich who are like you know what we both already know we have no delusions of grandeur. We know that we're very hard working people and we will work to be successful. But ultimately, they are all healthy relationships. They're just different. And I think that for someone who 
never got married herself, I think Alcott really understood that not every marriage is the same, but that doesn't mean that they're not good in their own way. It works for them. And I think it really shows that if if you had paired, again, someone like Lori with Joe, they would have clashed and not have moved forward in the same way. When you try to look at it in the bigger picture of these characters and their relationships with each other and with the people that they're with, it tells a lot. And I think it tells a lot of Alcott, who clearly was thinking a lot about marriage and its ups and its downs. That was our chat for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and make good choices. Bye. When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. 